0: Well, hopefully you see this word. You may not know how to pronounce it or what it means, um, but it's good news. (laughs) Finally turned the corner. Uh, Still going to beat you up, I guess, another few weeks on Sunday morning. Uh, But the weekly beating has stopped as far as on Wednesday nights. Uh, This is the study of salvation. And so we've made it to grace finally. Uh, we've walked through anthropology and that comes from the Greek word anthropos, which is the word for mankind. And so we studied man. That's where you get that word. Hamartiology comes from hamartia, That's the word for sin. And so that's the study of sin. Soter is the word for salvation. And so this is the doctrines or the study, if you will, of salvation. So finally, hopefully, and we'll kind of, I'm really going to take my time in this. Uh, and if you go by the book, Uh, itself we're just we're we're halfway now and so he spends the majority of time thankfully on salvation Um, but when we get toward the end and we'll try to sum everything up because hopefully from an anthropological standpoint you understand that God created you in his image and you're a whole being there's no parts of you one way goes one way and the other one goes the other way from a homartiology standpoint of the doctor's sin, hopefully you understand just how depraved you are. I was listening to Steve today, and he was in Psalm 16, and he stopped and talked about the depravity of man and, again, goes through things that we say here often, but really, until you understand how low you are, you can never appreciate how high God's grace is. It's, it's, and so that's the purpose. It's not to make you feel like junk but to help you realize who you are apart from Christ, okay? And then once you get a firm grasp of that, you're absolutely amazed at His grace. can't sing that song without crying anymore because you understand who you are and and what you deserve apart from Him. And so hopefully once we get to the end of this uh, salvation, we will rejoice in God all the more. Now these are terms that you're not going to know, I'm not familiar with, struggling to learn myself and it's okay that we don't know them it's more important that we pick up the concepts if i give you a multiple choice test you're not going to get any of them right you might get a few right Um, but i want you to understand the concepts and that's the most important part so you can understand god all the more so we will walk through uh, some of these words now i actually did something smart this time uh i actually know how to pronounce this Particular word, Yasha, but I put it in here so you can actually hear it because I won't remember them all.
1: Strong's H thirty four sixty seven, Yasha, Yasha.
0: Now that is the most comprehensive word in the Old Testament for salvation. Okay, it's all over the place, and you can see it. Translated here as Savior, Isaiah 43, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And that's that word, yashah. okay? And then you've got all these different roots and things that go on the front and the back and all that good stuff. But Hebrew works just like uh, Greek does. Most of the time it's the trilateral roots. You've got three consonants that form the root of almost all your words. Every now and then you've got a two. I think this is a two. I think it's just ys um, that forms this root but you got twos and fours but predominantly every word is based off three letters okay so it's pretty simple i've been told for people who take hebrew cody's going to take it son in laws going to take it nathan you're going to work on it eventually. yeah eventually uh super important so anyway this is the most comprehensive term that we're going to find uh, and it translates very nicely into the Greek, and I'll show you that uh, when we get there. Uh, but anyway, like I said, broadest term in the Old Testament for salvation. It includes divine deliverance from every class of spiritual and temporal evil. And in the Septuagint, Nathan, tell me what the Septuagint is real quickly so they'll remember that. It's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. You remember when they didn't really wrote it? There you go. So, 60% of the yeshah, or this Y-S root, is translated sozo once you get into the New Testament. Okay? S-O-Z-O. So, when we get to the Greek side of this thing, sozo is the word that you're going to look at predominantly in regard to Savior, saved, salvation nouns, verbs, passive verbs, active verbs, all over the place, but you're really just going to deal with these roots, if you understand <laughs> that, okay? Uh, so this is, to me, I couldn't get past this, and that's why I'm really pretty unfamiliar with the rest of this, because I got blown away by this. Um, let me read it to you. According to Matthew one twenty one, Jesus' name, all right, did I write? Yeah, here's Matthew 121 so you can see it. The angel told Mary, "She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." Now this word beside save is one of the sozo variations of that root, okay? No it doesn't look like it, but that's always translated save. But let me back up so you can see what happened here that should have blown the minds of the Hebrews, okay? Jesus' name was determined by heavenly instruction, the angel, right? Matthew, in this context, also gives an interpretation of the name Jesus. In passing, it describes the future task of Mary's son as to save his people from their sins. This interpretation is certainly connected with the meaning of the name from the Old Testament, Joshua, or Yehoshua, formed from the divine name Yahweh, and Sua from the, from the word Yesha, which has a continuing life in the Greek, Jesus, which means Yahweh is our help. Now let me break all that down for you. What did Joshua do in the Old Testament? Led all the people into the promised land, right? He was their conqueror. He was their leader, so to speak. So when you break down Joshua into its roots, you've got two roots at work in his name. And the first root is Yahweh, how we translate it, but there's no vowels in that word. What is it? Y-W-Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. Okay, so that's in the word Joshua, or the name Joshua. But also, the root for Yeshah is also in Joshua. So his name literally means God our salvation. Okay? So when you get into, so you've got both the roots, you've got the divine name, Yahshua. Both those roots are right here. There's the one for God, right? Yahweh. And here's the word for that yes or yeshah, root word. Put them together. God is our salvation. When you get to Jesus' name, it translates the exact same way into the Greek. So His name means the same thing. So when they're looking at this, yeshah, it's the Greek for Yahweh. And it also brings in yeshah's root, and then when he gives his function, it is the direct translation of yeshah, which means to save. Now let me give you an illustration. Hopefully it's faithful. And I won't look back on this and go, this is the craziest illustration of all time. Let's just say that God is an apple tree. Okay? Grab a hold of that. I know it's difficult. God's an apple tree. Every time in the Old Testament, when he saved his people, he did it by giving them a piece of pie. Just, all right, we're just out there for just a little bit. No matter what trouble they're in, God's like, here, here's a piece of pie. Just eat this and you'll be saved. Okay? When Jesus comes on the scene and they point to him and go, what's his name? It's literally apple pie. And it's like... They knew exactly what was up when the angel named Jesus, Yesu. Okay? They knew it meant the Lord our salvation or the Lord saves. And they had to turn away from that. I mean, it was that clear to them. The bells and the whistles should have been going off in their head. Old Testament, they knew who Joshua was. Mighty man to deliver them, bring them into the promised land, lay waste to all their enemies, establish them as God's people, right? So Joshua gets translated to Yesu, right into the Greek. Everything, you know, you could translate it back in Hebrew, same thing. And they understood your name is literally Yahweh saves. You're like, yeah, that's my God. So that's why I've on these guys and tell them if you're going to take languages, take Greek, take Hebrew, because you ha- once you work through these things and figure this out, you're like, oh my goodness. H- how in the world would you have all that history and all that understanding of your own language And God names His Son, the most perfect thing He could possibly name Him by an angel, and you still say, "No, I'm not going to believe in Him." You're out of your ever-loving mind. Okay. All right. So, Matthew 1:21, she will bear a son. You will name Him Jesus, for He will save Yeshua His people from their sins. Or sozo. Comments about that? Questions about that? Names are really important. Places. And they're built with purpose. They got roots. They put roots together so you'll get a more comprehensive picture of what's going on. All right. Natsal. I don't know if you pronounce that ale, but it's hard to tell. (coughs) This is another, probably second most used word. That you're going to find in the Old Testament in regard to salvation here it's translated separate or to separate rather your maidservant had two sons excuse me but two of them struggled together in the field and there was no one to saw or separate them so one struck the other and killed them right so it's used not necessarily in a saving context it is obvious that this word group indicates the removal from or the liberation from all types of circumstances. In other words, they couldn't separate those boys who were fighting. Often a literal personal salvation or deliverance is, is involved. So the majority of the time, it's a personal separation from harm or the rescue from captivity. Okay, And Yahweh is portrayed as the deliverer par excellence. In other words... Yahweh is most often the subject. He's the one doing the separating. He's the one doing the rescuing. He's the one doing the delivering, okay? Everybody good? See somebody's still writing. All right, these two words are pronounced very similar. I'll let you hear the of these.
1: All right. here you go.
0: Strong's H sixty four oh three. Palat. Palat.
1: And. Strong's H forty four twenty two. Malat. Malat.
0: All right. Who wants to give it a go? Cody. Palat. Palat. Malat. There you go. Now. <laughs> You find these two translated or, yeah, translated using very similar words. But there is a very distinct difference in the two that I'll show you in just a second. Uh, Palat, <coughs> excuse me, Psalm 17. Arise, O Lord, confront him, bring him low. Palat, or deliver my soul from the wicked with your sword. And then Joel 2.32 actually has Palat and Malat. First is Malat. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. That's a very key passage for doctrines of grace. But you can see they're almost synonymous. Okay, Deliverance, escape, they're almost synonymous. But they do have a slight difference in them. my glasses only find something for you real quick. Ah, here we go. All right, here's polite. The verb in the sense of rescue deliver is limited, interestingly enough, to poetry in the Old Testament. The Psalter often gives testimony of praise to God for deliverance or seeks God's deliverance when using this word. So, in other words, you're not going to find Palat outside of poetry in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, just the poetry. Okay? Uh, Malat is the most common use. This word is to express the escaping from any kind of danger, such as an enemy or a trap. The usual emphasis is on the role of Yahweh in deliverance. Okay? Um, here's Malat. Again, it's translated just like Palat was the last time. A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Isaiah 20, So the inhabitants of this coastland will say in that day, Behold, such is our hope where we fled for help to be delivered from the king of Assyria, and how shall we escape? So you take all these terms into the New (coughs) Testament and your theology about salvation begins to take shape because it is a rescue. It is a deliverance, right? It is an escape from the wrath of God, all right? And so they're used in, I guess, non-theological context, but they really take shape once you get to the New Testament. Does that make sense? All right. Um, Two more words. I know this is the hard part, but this is the part you need to do as well. Here is one word. Strong's H,
1: 1350. Ga'al. Ga'al.
0: Second one's easier. Strong's H, 6299. Pada. Pada. Alright, here's both these words used in Psalm 69. O draw near to my soul and redeem it ransom me because of mine enemies okay and of course that's easy to fit in the context of salvation you understand that all right gael now this really begins to get specific the word which specifically indicates redemption is gael and is best known in its form that denotes redeemer in most passages redemption may be considered as synonymous with deliverance but always with the idea more or less developed that the Redeemer enters into a certain relationship with the redeemed, allies himself in some sense with them, and so claims the right of redemption. Gael. So, where is this? What book in the Old Testament is this word going to be used quite a bit? Ruth, the Kinsman Redeemer. Right? It gives us the idea of redemption. And it's interesting. God has the responsibility of redemption when you begin to look at this word because he has associated himself with us, which would really spill over into the doctrines of grace, you understand. But he's allied himself with us in eternity past, and he has the rights of redeeming us. All right, Pada, parallel word is rendered by the words deliver, redeem, ransom, rescue. It is used of the firstborn who were regarded as representatives of those who had been spared when the firstborn of Egypt was destroyed. Pedaz often uh, adopted to represent the deliverance of a servant from slavery. The word is not used in the technical sense with Gael expresses, but especially refers to deliverance from bondage. So where in the Old Testament are you going to see this word used often? I don't know. It's not the one I'm thinking of, though. Where do you see servants? Huh? Exodus. Exodus. Yeah. It's where we're delivered from slavery. Okay? Even though it's very similar to the other word, deliver, redeem, ransom, but this one's pretty particular. It's deliverance from bondage. And when it's that kind of deliverance, "padai" is most often used. Deliverance from slavery. So that's super easy to see how that's going to spill over into the Old Testament, right? Because we're enslaved to what? Sin Sin and Hmm? death and (laughs) more sin. sin. (laughs) Who are we enslaved to? I love how y'all don't give any credit to Satan whatsoever, but he's on that list too. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, we're enslaved to him. But I appreciate how you guys go, sin, more sin. (laughs) That should be your first thought because a lot of churches would go to, well, you're good people, you're just broken, and it's the devil's fault, and y'all aren't even close. Y'all can't even come up with it. I'm proud of that, actually right? So this word's going to spill over into our New Testament theology big time, right? We're set free from slavery. Uh, the somatic development of PDA is one of the great significance to Christian theology, originally it had to do with the payment of a required sum for its transfer of ownership. It was a commercial term. The word was given special religious significance by the exodus. Israel had been delivered, <laughs> ransomed from servitude in Egypt by the hand of God. This fact was to color Hebrew thought through the centuries to come. So this is a super important word, and so when Paul translates it over into the New Testament, you know he's, he's stepping on toes. You know they understood the Old Testament and how he was describing the new covenant. Uh, yeah. Chaya, last one. And we're going to quit. And I'll work on New Testament words next week. Um, All instances of the root may be grouped rather closely around the concept of life. This is a super good word. Verbs from this word group fall into two general categories, either the giving of life or the preservation of life. According to this guy, Bresinger, in Psalm 119, The Lord gives life, sustains life, renews life, and gives life meaning. The psalmist was obviously preoccupied with the priority of fullness of life in divine favor. This Chaya word, okay? So Steve's teaching through this, and he's been doing it for months on end. Psalms 119. And the writer keeps coming back to the idea of life using this word. And you wind up understanding from the picture that life can only be found in God, right? So before I get there, what are you going to do in the New Testament with this word? Anybody want to take a guess? I'll give you a hint. John 10. I have come that they may have life and have it what? More abundantly. I mean, there's so many connections between old and new. There is no break whatsoever. So let's look at some of these. Turn with me to Deuteronomy, and you'll see him go nuts with these words. <coughs> Rob, read 8 3 for me.
1: Uh, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he, might, uh, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord.
0: And so this word is used twice in that passage. Man does not live by bread alone, but man does live by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. If you just sit there and contemplate on that passage, you begin to understand life can only be found in God. Physical life, spiritual life, life, period. Only be found in God. So that's built in the Old Testament. That understanding is built in the Old Testament. And so when we get to Jesus in the New Testament, all the lights come on and you understand life can only be found in Christ. It's no other place do we have life, no other person. So turn over to Deuteronomy 30. And he uses this word a number of times. Travis Reed, thirty fifteen down through 20.
1: See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, that I command you to go by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. So if your hearts turn away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice, and holding fast in Him. For He is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land of the Lord, swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give
0: them. Look at verse 20. For this is your life and the length of your days. Okay? I mean, you could spend a whole lot of time contemplating life. In Deuteronomy 30, but this is the term that he keeps coming back to. And you come to the understanding, well, I don't have life apart from God. No, you really don't. That's so sad from the perspective of an unbeliever because they have no comprehension of God. Therefore, they have no understanding of life. Because until you're in relationship with God, you cannot understand life. In fact, you don't even understand what is truly life, right? And so that's why when Jesus comes... Uh, He is the bestower of abundant life. I have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly, okay? All right. I know you won't remember the words. Hopefully some of the concepts will stick in your brain, uh, especially with the redemption, the kingdom redeemer, uh, escape from uh, slavery, deliverance, separating unto yourself, and then this general word, Yeshua, which is going to be the word sozo in the New Testament. All right, questions?